The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Before we get started, let me ask you one quick question, just kind of get to know you a little bit. How, how many of you, if you had to choose between uh, watching a movie or maybe getting kind of wrapped up in a television show, how many of you are more movie people? Raise your hand. You're more into movies than you are TV shows. Okay. Well, how many of you really like a TV show? Raise your hand. All right. A few of you is like, I could go either way. I don't really know. All right. I know for myself, uh, I actually, when it comes to a movie, I really prefer documentaries over maybe kind of uh, big time, you know, dramatic movies. And I, I came across one recently, uh, it was called Free Solo. It was about these guys who would literally climb these giant peaks out at Yosemite and other such places. But here was the clincher with this, and I think these guys have a picture of this. When these guys are climbing these massive cliffs, they literally do it with no ropes. Now, I don't know about you, but that does not sound like something I personally would be interested in. Could you imagine being suspended hundreds of feet above the air, climbing up the side of a mountain, being in positions like you see right here on the screen, and having nothing to catch your fall? How many of you would raise your hand and say, no, that sounds exhilarating, you know? <laughs> How many of you would be like, no way, Jose, not me, all right? I, I, I kind of would be in that boat. They were doing an interview with one of these men who's a free solo climber, and, and, and the interviewer asked this question. He said, aren't you afraid of dying? Now, you've got to imagine what these guys are doing. There, there was literally one scene in this documentary where in order to get to the next ledge, the man literally had to jump hundreds of feet in the air, suspended, Nothing touching the wall, no feet, no hands. He was suspended in the air to catch himself on the next little ledge. And I'm, I'm not talking about ledges like this. I'm talking ledges that are half the size of your fingertips. And so they asked him, do you have some sort of death wish? I mean, why do you do this? Aren't you afraid of dying? Here's was his response. He says, no. He says, I'm not really afraid of dying. He says, what I'm actually afraid of is getting to the end of my life only to realize I never truly lived. Now, whether or not that's the way to go about that mission, the reality is this. I would hate for us to be in a position where we get to the end of our lives only to regret, you know what? We've never truly lived the life that we were destined to live. I think if we were to be honest with ourselves today, every, every person in this room, and I don't care what your background is, I don't care what your age is, I, I could honestly say I think everybody here, you want your life to make a difference. You want your life to matter. It, it doesn't remember, regardless of how old you are, regardless of your background, every person has something implanted deep within them that desires for their life to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And, and that's a little bit of what we're going to see today in our text. So if you have your Bibles or your phones on, you got your Bible on your phone, I want you to turn to the book of James. It's in the New Testament portion of Scripture. There's a passage that we're going to look to in James chapter number 4. And if you'll allow me, I want to just do a Bible study here this morning. 
Now, if you've been around here for any length of time, let me tell you how we typically do this. Typically, we would go to a book of the Bible, one of the Old Testament books or one of the New Testament books, and on Sunday mornings, we just march through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Why? Because we just want to know what God has to say for us. We want to know what his word has for our lives. And so next week, we're going to start a brand new series, marching through a book of the Bible. And so if you're into Bible study, you like to go deep, then I'm telling you what, you'll want to come back next week. But for this week, we're going to do something a little different. We're just going to go to this one passage, and we're going to unpack it for us here a little bit this morning. Now, to give you some background on this book of James. There are several James who are mentioned in the New Testament. So in the New Testament books of the Bible, there are several different James. So when you read the name James, it could be one of several different people, all right? Uh, Some scholars believe that there were actually four different James that are mentioned all throughout the New Testament. Most scholars believe that the human author of this book that we're about to read from was really the half-brother of Jesus, Now, what's interesting about this James is he was not one who at first really believed that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, in ancient Jewish times, they were these people who had heard prophecies that there was going to come a Messiah who was going to save the Jewish people from tyranny. And so they had heard about this Messiah. They had had prophecies. The prophets foretold of them. And so as Jews, you would grow up kind of looking for this one. Now, Jesus comes on the scene and basically says... I'm the one that the prophets talked about. Now, James, this half-brother of Jesus, he didn't really believe it at first. In fact, he was very skeptical. After all, he had grown up with this Jesus, and early on in his life, he's like, uh, I don't think so. But something happened when Jesus started his earthly miracles, his earthly ministry. He started performing miracles. He started doing things to the point where even his half-brother had to step back and say, maybe this actually is this chosen one, this Messiah. And eventually he comes to a place where he too becomes a believer. That this Jesus was more than just a good man. He was more than just a teacher. He was more than just a prophet. What he had done, the things he said, even his very own half-brother had to say, no, this is the Messiah. This is the chosen one. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James pens this book that is now part of our canon of scripture. And so if you study this book, you're going to find that it's very practical in nature. James is one of those guys, you know, who really puts the theological cookies on the bottom shelf. He wants to articulate deep eternal principles in a way that everybody can understand in and for themselves. And so we get to James chapter number four and verse number 13. And I want you to read this with me. I hope you got your Bibles. We're going to start in verse number 13. We'll read through verse number 14. And here's, here's what it says, all right? It says this. Now, now listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow we will go this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Now notice this. Why? Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? He's saying you talk about what you're going to do next week and next month. He says, but you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. He says, what is your life? He asks this rhetorical question. He says, you are a mist, a vapor, 
that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Now, James, like I said, was very simple. He's very practical. And so today, this is going to be a pretty simple and practical message that I simply want to entitle, Don't Waste Your Life. Don't waste your life. Will you join me in prayer as we go and prepare for this Bible study? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to begin by saying thank you, Lord. As we were singing a moment ago, how overwhelmed. Lord, we are by everything that you've provided to us and everything you've done for us. Lord, that that is the cry of my heart. I'm I'm so overwhelmed by what you've done. So, Lord, I pray. I pray that you would raise up a people here in northwest Fresno that don't just go to church, but are really being the church. It isn't just a church in a city, but literally a church for the city. Lord, help us not to waste our lives. Lord, I pray that your spirit would do something in us and would do something through us that's way bigger, that's way more powerful than something we could ever do in and of ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would use your word today to challenge us, to help us, to encourage us, and to build us up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if I were to take this entire study and put it into one statement, a theme statement, here's what I would say. And that is this. In order to move through life properly, and that's what we're going to see in this passage, if we want to live life as God destined for us to live, if we want to move through life properly, then we must first view life properly. So, In light of this, this morning, I want you to notice three important elements of life that that we've got to view properly. We've got to see this thing properly if we're going to move through life properly. On your way in, you should have received a service program. Inside, there's a guide that you can use to follow along through the Bible study. We try to do this on a weekly basis because, honestly, it doesn't matter what I have to say. And I'm just going to tell you up front, if you're a guest here today, don't take my word for any of this. The only thing that actually matters is what God's word has to say. So get your Bibles open, man, focus on it, write down those notes and really search these things out for yourself because what I say doesn't matter, but what God says ultimately does. Inside that program too, there's also what we call a connection card at some point during the service. If you want to fill that out, we'd love just to have a little record of your attendance. After the service, you'll have an opportunity to turn that in and we're looking forward to just enjoying some fellowship maybe afterwards around the food truck. But before we do, let's just dive into what we came here for and that's the word of God. So notice the first phrase, we're just doing a Bible study this morning. Notice what it says this. Notice this. Why you do not even know what will happen. Notice that phrase. Notice that phrase there. You don't even know what's going to happen. See, it's easy for you and I to live under the illusion. And I can do this as well. We can live under this illusion that we're in complete control of our lives. That's what this verse is talking about, verse 13. Hey, you say next week you're going to do this, and you say next month you're going to do that, and next year you're going to do those things, and there's a place for planning, and there's a place to, you know, kind of write out notes and goals and dreams that you have. There's a place for that. But if we're not careful, we begin to live under the illusion that we've got it all figured out. And so God is now saying through the Holy Spirit, hey, you think you know what's going to happen next week. You think you know what's going to happen next year, but ultimately only God knows. We, we really don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know what's going to happen when all of a sudden we get that call from the doctor 
We don't really know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, we get that bill in the mail. We don't know what's going to happen when we get that phone call from a relative. We think we'd like to live under the illusion that we're in control. But the reality and what James is reminding us is that's an illusion. You think, but at the end of the day, you just don't know. In fact, Proverbs chapter number 27, verse number 1, talks more about this when it says in 27 verse 1, do not, it says, boast about tomorrow. Why? For you do not know what a day may bring. You think you know. You wonder, you guess, but you really don't know. Which leads us to our first thought this morning from this passage, and that is this. Life is short. Life is short. No one really knows what's in store for their life or, or even how long it's going to last. That's why in Psalms chapter 90, verse number 12, it says this. Teach us. The psalmist David is saying to David, he's saying, teach us what? To number our days. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. I think it's really interesting that as human beings, we tend to number our years. We tend to number our years. In fact, I met one of our guests here this morning. Uh, she was in the lobby. Uh, I asked, she said, I, I look kind of young, you know, to be a pastor. And, and uh, I told her, well, I'm going to be 40 this year. And, you know, my wife makes me take a lot of vitamins and all that. As I said, how old are you? And, and she looked at me. She, she couldn't remember. And her, her, her daughter, Denise, said, I, you're, you're 90. <laughs> 90? Wow. That's awesome. That's incredible. As human beings, we tend to number our years. But you know what the Bible says? It says you need to learn to number your days. I had a professor in seminary, and he told me one day, he said, he said in order to kind of do what it's talking about in this, in this verse, his, his name was Dr. Mark, he, he said in his bedroom, he keeps a large vase, huge vase. And in that vase, he keeps those small decorative gemstones. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They're just these small little decorative gemstones. Maybe you have them in your living room around some flowers or something like that. He says he keeps a jar of them and, and a gemstone. And he, and he keeps one that represents every week of his life. He figures he'll live to be about 75, 80 years old for a typical man his age. And so he had one all the way up to that point. He says every Sunday he wakes up. He grabs one of those gemstones and he throws it away. He told me one day, he said, Josh, it's, it's startling how quickly that vase is emptying. He says, that's how I number my days. That was his way of practically doing that. My friend, there really are three things you can do with life. If we were to kind of boil it down, there are three, three things we can do with our life. Let me give you each one here for just a moment. Number one, we could destroy our life on bad things. Now, I don't want to park it here, but how many of you recognize and maybe you've had some people in your life and, and they've, they've hurt themselves, they've destroyed themselves. Why? On unhealthy things, on addictive things, on wasteful things, on what some might call sinful things. Before we know it, we have destroyed our life on these bad things. See, people talk about wasting time. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? Raise your hand. He said, wasting time. Can I remind you of something? You can't really waste time. You really can only waste yourself. Because time is the stuff that life's made of. And so by wasting time, we're wasting our 
lives. We can destroy our lives on bad things. Number two, we can waste our life on mediocre things. Now, these aren't necessarily bad things. You know, I, 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 how many of you, you're on social media, I'm on social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case may be, and I've had times where all of a sudden I'm scrolling through and a minute turns to 10 minutes and 10 minutes turns to an hour and I'm thinking, what have I done? There's nothing wrong with entertainment, there's nothing wrong with Netflix, but before we know, how many, how many of you have done one of these binging on Netflix? I'm just going to watch one show, just one show. All of a sudden, before you know it, you're three seasons in, your eyes are bugged, you know, you're like, what's going on? We've all been there. I'm not saying it's bad, but all of a sudden, before we know it, day has been wasted, and a week's been wasted, and a month's been wasted, and we waste our lives on mediocre things. Third thing we can do, we can invest, we can invest our lives on the best things. Invest it into people. Investing it into loved ones. Invest it into making a difference. Invested in those things that matter most. You can destroy your life with bad things. You can waste your life on mediocre things. Or you can invest your life in the best thing. Why is it so important? Because life is short. Life is short. Let's keep reading in our Bible study. Notice what it says next in James chapter, verse number, chapter 4, verse 14. James asks a rhetorical question. He says, for what is your life? What is it? This is interesting. He says it's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanishes away. It goes away. Imagine for a moment waking up on a, on a cold morning. How many of you have done this before? You've gone outside. It's real early. It's real cold. You get outside. You start to breathe. How many of have you seen? And you see that vapor. You see that breath in the cold air. You've ever done this before? And you can see your breath going out in the, in the morning. And that is the metaphor that God uses to describe life. It's like a vapor. It's there and then it's not. Like it's there and then it's gone. It leaves no shadow. It leaves no outline. Nothing to remind us that it even existed. I had an older man one time, and he told me this. He, I think he was pretty wise. He said, it's interesting how life flies by. He said, when I was like five years old, he said, life didn't move fast at all. In fact, it was so slow. He said, when I was like five years old, I remember looking forward to my birthday, and my birthday would be two weeks away, and I would think, oh, it's never, ever going to come. How many of you remember being like that when you were a kid? I was like, man, Christmas is never going to get here. My birthday is never going to get here. Why? Because life just dragged on, and you had to sit in class with those teachers, and just one class period just felt like an eternity, all right? Maybe some kids are in here, some of you in high school, and you're like, I, I'm, I'm experiencing that. You know, I'm there. Just life goes slow. He said it was interesting. It was almost like life was going like five miles an hour. It was so slow. He said then I went to college, and I got my 20s, started getting married, all of a sudden, life started trucking along a little bit. <laughs> started moving a little faster. So I in college and then married, all kids. I was like, man, he's like, man, this thing's moved along. He said it felt like I was going like 25 miles an hour. He said I got to 50, and he said it was crazy. It was like years were going by and going by and going by. How many of you, honestly, find it hard to believe we're in the year 2020? <laughs> I mean, how many of you? How many of you can testify? <laughs> 2020. Maybe some of you who are a little bit older, you thought for sure we'd have flying cars by now, you know. We're, that's what our teachers told us. You know, we're going to be going to space and Mars. 2020. 
And how many of you would say, man, it feels like life, like 50 miles an hour. He says, I'm at my age, and he told me, he says, at 80 years old. He said, it's like my life is just trucking by at 80 miles an hour, just moving, moving, moving. He knew that life was short. In fact, Psalms chapter number 90, verse 10 says this. It says, our days may come to 70 years. This is what the Bible says. Or 80 if our strength endures. So God's saying, hey, for the average person, they're going to live to about 70 years old. He says if they're pretty good, healthy, and they may live to 80. And some of us, you know, maybe are on borrowed time, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. Notice this. The best of those days. For they quickly pass. Notice this. And we fly away. Psalmist David is giving a metaphor for life and for death, which leads us to our next thought this morning, and that is this. Not only do we see that life is short, I want to remind you of something that's a little heavy, but I want us to ponder this for a moment because I think it's important to do. Death is nearer than we think. Death is nearer than we think. Just like every person here has a birth day. Everybody here have a birthday? We all have a birthday? Mine's December 5th, in case any of you are wondering, you know, I need to put that on calendar. <laughs> Death is near. Just like we all have a birthday, the Bible tells us, the reality is we all have a death day as well. Psalms 103, verse 15 says, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. It's amazing. We read the Bible and God says, your life is kind of like a vapor. It's like a breath on a cold morning. It's like a little blade of grass that's there and then it's gone. It's kind of like a flower that blossoms and then it's over. And these are the metaphors that get used in the scriptures to describe our lives. Last I looked, as I did some research, three people will die every second. On planet Earth, every three seconds, someone will shut their eyes for the last time. They will take their very last breath, and their heart will beat for the very last time. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, one, one thousand. Just like that, we are reminded that life is short. Alan Sachs, the great philosopher and poet, said this. Death is actually more universal than life. How does that make any sense? How is death more universal than life? Because everyone dies, but not everyone truly lives. The greatest tragedy in life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to actually start living it the way God destined for us to. So we see life is short. We see from this passage that death is near. But let's keep moving on. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 9, here's what it says. I want you to see this. It says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. Notice this. What, is, what have they not seen? What have they not heard? What is it that they can't comprehend? The things God has prepared for those who love him. 
Go to 1 Corinthians sometime and, and read that in its broader context, and you'll find that Jesus Christ is talking about the eternal the realities of heaven. See, we, we live in a postmodern society that for the most part believes, not, not everybody, but for the most part, most people believe that when you die, it's all over. When your heart beats for the last time, it's done. When you take your last breath, everything goes to nothing. And yet, the reality is the Bible does declare something different. Which leads us to our final thought this morning, and that is this. Not only is life short, not only is death near, but I want to remind you of this, that eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. In the late 1800s, there was a man by the name of Dwight Moody. Now, I know this name because when I went to seminary, this was one of these men I kind of look it up to. He's kind of like a, an ancient hero of mine. He wasn't a super educated man. Dwight kind of was uneducated. He didn't really feel like he had a lot of talents or gifts. But one day as a young man, as a teenager, he was sitting in a service kind of like this one, and, and the teacher made a statement. He said this. He says, the world hasn't seen yet. What God wants to do with one person who totally commits themselves to him. And Dwight, literally as a teenager, said, man, I'm not very talented and I don't have a lot of skills and gifts, but he says, if I just completely just surrender myself and let God do through me what I know I can't do through myself, I wonder, I wonder what God could do. And throughout the remainder of his life, I'm telling you what, especially in the late 1800s, it was amazing what this man did. If, if you're in church world, then you might, uh, you might know the name Billy Graham. Uh, some of you might know that name. He just went around and did preach crusades and, and would teach about the love of Jesus. Uh, Dwight Moody would have been the Billy Graham of the 1800s, traveling all over the Americas, traveling all over Europe, literally all over the world, which was crazy without modern technology. He would literally speak to thousands declaring the love of Jesus. And so many would really give their lives and commit their lives to the person of Christ. It said that literally over a million people responded to his messages about the love of God. It was amazing to see how before technology came around, so much had been accomplished by, by someone who had so little in the way of technology. So fast forward <laughs> a couple hundred years. So I'm... He's kind of a hero of mine, and so I remember one time, I was probably about 20 years old, and I, I had the opportunity, I was in Missouri, kind of in the Midwest, and, and I was at a church, and I was going to speak there, and before the service started, uh, you know, I was kind of milling around, this, this old church in the middle of Missouri had a, had a kind of a, a library of sorts, you could go in, you could, you know, have books or whatever the case may be, and borrow them, and so I'm looking through, I love to read, I have a huge library myself, several thousand books that I have, I just love to read, I love to study, it's kind of something I'm into, and, and I noticed as I was leaving, I noticed something in the trash can, and I looked down, it looked kind of caught my interest, and it was an old book. I'm like, this is one of the oldest books I've ever seen. And so I reached down into this, into this trash can. I pull out this book from Missouri. I thought, I wonder what this is. I looked at the first cover, and it said it had been published in, in the year 1900, which was interesting. So that's a pretty old book, over 100 years old. And as I began to flip through the pages, I, I saw where it was literally the biography of Dwight 
Moody. Been printed one year after he died. As a hero of mine, I pulled it out. I went over to somebody there at the church. I said, hey, this was in the trash can. Do you, can, can I take it? They said, sure, it's just old junk. You know, you can have it. And I began to flip through the pages, and I came across, and I saw this quote, and I want to read this to you. It says this. It says, one day you'll hear about how Evangelist D.L. Moody has died. This was a quote from Dwight Moody. He says, one day you'll hear about how the evangelist D.L. Moody has died. Don't believe a word of it. For in that moment, I'll be more alive than I ever have been before. Eternity is forever. Can I remind you that there is a heaven and that eternity is forever. In fact, Revelation tells us in chapter 21, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. God will wipe tears from our eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Eternity. The Bible tells us that Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reality of the scriptures is this. We are all born broken. I don't care what your background is. I don't care about your age. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you currently have in life. Every single individual has been born into this world of brokenness and in sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no person, there is no pastor, there is no pope, there is no individual who has not sinned, who in some way hasn't broken God's law, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. But can I remind you that God so loved the world even in spite of our sin, even in spite of our brokenness, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus. Why? To take the punishment of our sins upon himself. The scriptures declare that just much like God, just like we woke up this morning, we put on clothes, and many of us have, the reality is, <laughs> I think all of us have, I was a little slip there. <laughs> I'm looking at it, no, no naked people running around today, all right, that's good. <laughs> people are looking around, what's going on here? <laughs> All of us put on some clothes. So in the same way, the God of heaven clothed himself in humanity and became a man. The Bible declares that this man was called Jesus. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He never committed any sin. He never did anything wrong. And yet the Bible says he went to the cross to die. Why? Because he was a horrible criminal? Because he was an awful person? The Bible says the reason he died was literally to take the punishment of our sin upon himself. He suffered and died in our place so we wouldn't have to. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you don't have the hope of eternal life in heaven, the scriptures say these things were written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know these things, not just wonder, not just guess, not just think. He wants you to have the confidence of eternal life in heaven forever, but also of abundant life here on earth right now. 
That's the promise that he makes to you. One scholar said it this way, life is short and eternity is long. It's only reasonable that this short life would be lived in light of that long eternity. It's only wise. Life is short. Death is near. And eternity is forever. Can I ask you this? What are you doing with your life? A couple years ago, uh, my wife and family, we... We made our way out to Indiana. Her parents are from Indiana, kind of east of Indianapolis. And her family has lived on the same property literally for over 100 plus years. Her dad's a farmer there in the middle of Indiana. And, and in fact, the house that my father-in-law lives in right now is the same house he was born in. <laughs> That's kind of the background on his story. Born in that house. One day while we were there for vacation, Jenny and I, we began to take a bike ride and we were riding our bikes through the farms, the cornfields. It was just beautiful. The air was crisp, big billowing white clouds were everywhere. And so we're riding bikes kind of down these country roads and whatever the case may be. And in the distance, I, I kind of noticed something. It, it was a little kind of a, a hedge of stones or something. And this little hedge of stones kind of made its way in this uh, thicket of trees and and I asked Jenny, I said, I said, what is that? I said, it was just out in the middle of nowhere. She said, that, that's our family cemetery. Back like 100 and 200 years ago, this is where they would bury our family members. Now, being from California, that kind of weirded me out a little bit. But I was also kind of intrigued. <laughs> So I remember going up there and I remember looking at the different tombstones. I remember literally seeing birthdays from the 1700s on the stone. Some of the names were so, I mean, the, the, the stones were so weathered like you could hardly even read the etching in them. And, and I've often asked myself, what is the most important piece of information on a tombstone? You know, you got their name that describes a little bit of their identity. You, you have their birthday that tells a little bit about when they were born and the context of it. You have a, a death date. You have a little, a little paragraph that describes a tidbit about that individual. But if you were to ask me what the most important part of a tombstone and the most, the most important part of what's written on that, I would probably say it's the dash. The dash in between when that person was born and when that person died because it is in that dash that represents every decision that person ever made every choice they ever made, every thought, every act, every behavior is summed up into a single one-inch mark on a tombstone. And so, as I was riding my bike away that day, I was kind of hit with, the, with just this thing we have called life. It's so short. Death is so near. Eternity is so long. And I begin to ask myself, what am I doing with my dash? And we're coming back to Fresno and just saying, God, if you'll allow me, I want my dash to count. I want to give my dash for other people. I want to give my dash to serve and to help and to love and to sacrifice. Let my dash be used for something bigger than myself. 
So I ask you the question. What are you doing with your dash? Think about it for a moment. What are you doing with your dash? Imagine if all of us came to a place where we said, you know what? Life's bigger than me. It's bigger than what I want. It's bigger than what I desire. It's bigger than, I want to be a part of something bigger than me. I want my life to count for something beyond just these few years that I have here. I want my life to make an impact. I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to matter. Could you imagine what it would be like if a a bunch of people in Northwest Fresno got together and said, we want our lives to count for something bigger than us. Can you imagine? Could you imagine the impact that could be made? If a group of people said, you know what? I can't do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, by the grace of God, I will Let me just end with this. I want to encourage you. Don't waste your dash. Don't waste your dash. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.